Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Uh, But how to be used by God. We'll get you to the message here. I'm going to be reading in 1 Kings 19. And uh, starting in verse 19, it says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing uh, with twelve pairs of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, just ask your blessing upon this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So how to be used by God. Um, I believe that God is wanting to do some unbelievable things uh, through his people. In, in this day, in this time, uh, not just always having to look back at things in the past, but I believe he has something new and something fresh and something that's even going to surpass things that have been, uh, been done. And I also believe that every person in here, you were created to succeed, all of us. See, Jesus came to redeem us. He came to restore us into the image of God. He came to restore us into fellowship, into communion uh, with the Father, and, and we've all been chosen by God, but what does it take to be a person that's actually used by God? How, do, how can, what type of maturity needs to take place in our lives so that we reach our fullest potential for the kingdom of God and for the, for the glory of God? And so you can learn a lot about being used by God from this relationship with, the, with Elijah and Elisha. God was about to call Elijah home uh, to heaven, and uh, he's instructed to, to go and to train Elisha to take his place. And so the first thing that we can look at is the call. So when Elijah came to Elisha to train him as his student, he knew that it was God calling Elisha and not him. It was God's choice, not his choice. And it's God that does the calling, not man, not you and I. You don't call yourself. You don't, get just, you don't just get to choose it's God that calls us to do certain things in life, whether it's a, a pulpit ministry or whether it's just a ministry in your neighborhood, around the world, whatever. It doesn't matter. It could be anything. And uh, when Heather and I were uh, taking MIP courses, uh, seems like a long, long time ago, uh, Brother uh, McIntyre was one of, the, one of the instructors. And when he was talking to us, he was talking to us about the, uh, the struggles you have in ministry. And the ups and the downs and the, the, the times that you just want to quit or the times that people are telling you you should quit. And he said, what you have to remember, and uh, I wrote it down because it spoke to me that day. It said, you didn't hire you, you can't fire you, and quitting's not an option. 
And that's the place that we all find ourselves. God has a call upon your life. It, you didn't decide it. You didn't, you're not the one who made it. So you didn't hire you. You can't fire you. Quitting is not an option. So we might as well make ourselves ready to be used by God and to do something great for the kingdom. It's God that does the calling, but just being called does not make you a person to be used. Um, it requires obedience. Now, a lot of people do, do not like to talk about obedience these days, but that's what it takes to be used by God. The call of God requires obedience. The call of God gives us only one of two ways to respond. Either we can resist God's will or we can yield to God's will. And if you want to be used by God, then we must yield to God. We need to respond to Him without reservation, and He will use us. And so the call of God, it also brings the anointing of God. It brings the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do what God has called you to do. And so when Elijah, he, he came up to Elisha, he didn't just say, hey, I want you to start following me. He, he threw his mantle or his cloak upon, him, uh, upon his back. So he throws his cloak on him, which is a symbol of God's anointing. It's, the mantle was a, was a physical covering that symbolized the spiritual covering of the anointing of the Holy Spirit when it takes effect to make us effective in, in ministry. 1 John 2 verse 20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One. If you're saved, if you're born again, then God has a call on your life and He will anoint you. You have an anointing from the Holy One. If we're obedient to that call, He's going to anoint us. We have to walk in obedience. He's going to equip us. So the call of God not only requires obedience and brings anointing, but it also demands a decision. And this is where it gets difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people want to accept Christ, but they don't want to make the decision to go forward with Christ. They, they, they kind of get stuck in their, in their ways because they're, they're happy pleasing them, themselves a lot of times. If we're just being honest, we're all kind of geared that way. See, Elisha went back to his family, he says goodbye, and then he gave 100% to the call that God had placed upon him. He gave every bit of himself to, into the will of God. And that's the decision that each and every one of us have to make. Now, I, I preach a lot about God having a purpose for each of us because he does. I preach a lot about facing struggles and our fears because we're all going to have to do it. I, I talk about worries and not giving up because that's what it takes, perseverance. And that's what this decision is really all about. It's the decision that no matter what I face, no matter what I have to give of myself, no matter what the enemy tries to bring against me, and no matter what other people, even my family, may say about me, I'm yielded to the will of God. And nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to cause me to, to go back from that. I'm devoted to Him, and I'm devoted to the call that He has on my life, and so I want to give Him 100% of me, all of me that I am. Uh, many of you have probably heard of David Livingston. Maybe you've, you've heard the name. If not, you might have heard his quotes or something about him in a, in a message in the past. But he was a doctor born in uh, 1813. And he left the comforts of his home to take the gospel to Africa. And uh, he's got a, a lot of great, great quotes out there. But when he surrendered his life to Christ, he prayed this prayer. He said, I will place no value on anything I have or possess unless it is in relationship to the kingdom of God. After this prayer, he dedicated his life and his will to the call that God had placed upon him. And this is what he said on his 59th birthday. He wrote these words, my Jesus, my king, my life, my all. I again dedicate my whole self to thee. See, the, to, to, 
The call of God demands a decision on uh, all of our parts. And these are the words of a man that had made that decision a long time ago to follow Jesus. And that commitment was still the same many years later. And so that's how it should be for all of us. There's a decision that we have to make. Some people make it right away like he did as a young person. Some people, they, they sit in the pews for years before they finally realize a decision has to be made. It's more, it, it, there's more to it if you want to be used by God than just reciting a prayer and sitting on a pew. It is actually putting yourself in the hands of the master for whatever he has for you to do. And so after you and I have received this call and we make that decision, the, the next thing that comes after the call is the conditioning. Now, um, this isn't the most pleasant part. You thought the decision was rough. Sometimes this can be even, even worse because nobody uh, reaches their potential overnight. There are no uh, people that just are overnight successes. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Elisha had to go through a season of conditioning before he was ready to fill the shoes of Elijah. They were big shoes to fill. And see, Elisha became Elijah's student or his assistant or his attendant or his, even his servant, however you want to label it. And he lived in the shadow of Elijah's greatness for 10 years. Now, when we're reading it, it sounds like it was a little two-week crash course and he was ready to take over. But it was 10 years. 10 years is a long time. Uh, when I first got into ministry, there were things that I thought I was ready for then that I don't think I'm ready for now. And the reason behind that was I didn't understand the conditioning. I just thought that, you know, God called you. You're supposed to be able to do it all. And uh, now that I've realized how much I've grown in these 12, almost, 12, almost 13 years, uh, there are things now that I look at that back then I would have said, oh, yeah, I could do that. Let's go for it. And now I'll, me and Heather will talk about something and I'll say, it would be nice to one day be able to, but I'm not ready for that right now. Because also with conditioning comes a little bit of wisdom about some, about some things. But, uh, but, but 10 years, we set up and tore down for 10 years doing ministry. It was a lot of work. A lot of work. And uh, it's, it's, it was difficult, but it was part of a process of learning and preparing uh, actually, when uh, uh, another thing of 10 years, when, when we were trying to decide about uh, this church, uh, Heather and I came and filled in those two times when you guys were looking, uh, when this church was looking for a pastor. And uh, I, I called uh, Bishop Johnny Rivera because he's a good friend of mine. And I said, hey, Heather and I were talking because we had talked after our second time coming here on the way home. We said, maybe we should just run our name there. And... Uh, I called him and I said, hey, I need to come talk to you and because you're someone I can be brutally honest with and I can kind of and be very transparent about a lot of things with ministry because we were doing the Thursday night thing. And uh, when we were there talking, he said, Aaron, you've done a good work because we were in Rayford for about 10 years and then we were in uh, Hope Mills for one year. And he said, you've done a good work. And he said, but there's a lot that you can learn by coming into an organization with the government because we, we had done independent works. And he said, you, you, there's going to be things that change. There's going to be things that are more difficult, but there's a lot that you can learn that will probably help you move forward into doing all that God has for you to, to do in ministry. And I had, never, I had never really thought of it that way. 
about more of that conditioning process. And, uh, and then he said, but, but don't sell yourself short because you've been able to do ministry for 10 years with family and nobody's mad at each other. And uh, he said, that's a great accomplishment in, uh, in, in this day and time with the way people get upset. And, and the thing about it is it's true. We did do that for that amount of time, but it wasn't just an accomplishment for me. It was an accomplishment for all of us. Everyone had to be willing to do what God was calling them to do and not, be, not have jealousy and envy going on in, the, uh, in what was taking place and be okay being where God had us at that time. And so that's where Elisha was at. He had to be okay for 10 years to be the assistant to Elijah. Uh, and it happens a lot of times we just see people and we just think, wow, it's so amazing what, what God's doing through them. And we don't see uh, what the people had to go through. Uh, I know there was a, a pastor and he's kind of, uh, you don't hear much from him anymore, but he was this big deal at one time. And uh, he had been under T.L. Lowry and it was all this... You know, I never knew that. I just thought he was a big deal. I thought he just was an overnight big, you know, big success. And he had been under T.L. Lowry, and when he was under T.L. Lowry, guess what his first job was? Cleaning toilets. Apparently, that's the first job he gave everybody that, can't, that, that went to work for him. You think, oh, I want to go, go be under this guy, this powerful man of God. And he puts you scrubbing the toilets. Everybody, that was their first job they had to do. But they had to do it because it was part of the process. Uh, R.W. Schambach that has unbelievable, all kinds of unbelievable crusades and miracles and testimonies. I've got two books that are just full of miracles that happened uh, under his ministry. Well, he was the assistant to A.A. Uh, a. Allen. And by being the assistant, that means whatever needed to be done, he had to do it. If it was being the usher, if it was being the whatever, it, had to, he had, it was his job. And he had to do it and put in that time. And see, it would do us all well to learn to serve. It's something we, we, we need to learn because while we're in this season of conditioning and serving, it also gives us an opportunity to focus on following Jesus. See, some people, usually they're, oh, there's not a nice way to say it. They're really bossy people and they'll just tell you, I can't help it. I'm just a natural born leader. That's their excuse for being bossy. But that's not how it works. See, you, you can't lead until you learn how to follow. Because it doesn't matter how many people may be under you taking orders, we're supposed to be following him. Our number one job is following the master and doing what he's called us to do. We've been called to follow Christ, and when we follow him, he makes us what he wants us to be. And, you know, those, sometimes you have those people. Have you ever been around someone, and it's just so strange that God always wants them to do something that they want to do? Every time they pray about it, God just always lines right up with what their dream or desire is. And uh, I'm not saying it can't happen, but that has not been my experience, that God always wants to do everything that I want to do. Uh, but some people, they just seem to have that, that, that way. God always wants them to take the better job. He always wants them to go to the bigger church. He always wants them to be more out front. He always wants them, you know, you know the people I'm talking about. See, no matter what position of leadership that God puts us in, your first priority should always be to follow Him. See, to share the same purposes as Him, to surrender your will to His will. His will doesn't become our will. Our will becomes His will when we're following Him. 
And see, as you do this and you're used by God, you must remember that the greatest enemy that you're ever going to face is yourself. It's the greatest enemy that we all face. Because learning to deny yourself for the, for the good of others can be a hard thing to do. It's not easy. Denying yourself to conform to the will of God, it can be a difficult battle. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not by going on social media, but there's a lot of self-centered and self-absorbed people in the world and in the church. They're everywhere. But Jesus Christ not only has the power to deliver us from sin, he has the power to deliver us from self. Most of the sin problems that we all have, they start with self. We're trying to please self and it gets us involved in sin. He can take care of it all. He can deliver, deliver us from sin and self. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. He can make us a new creature dedicated to God and not dedicated to self. You know, many times we see people when uh, maybe they have obvious issues. You know, they're, um, they may be uh, hooked on some type of substance abuse or uh, some type of immoral lifestyle uh, that they're that they're leading and and you'll have the thought man I I just I sure hope that that person will get saved they'll accept Jesus as their savior and they'll let God change their life and then you'll have this thought or maybe it's just me but you'll have this thought and you'll be like but man with the way that they've been living and the things that they've been through they're really going to need a God to do a complete mind change in their life have you ever thought that about somebody I mean, they're going to need the right person to come along beside them. They're going to need this or that because, you know, in other words, God's going to have to really deliver that person. He's going to have to really save that person physically and mentally and every, every which way. Well, the truth is, is that we all need that type of mind change from God. Regardless of what you've done or haven't done, we all need a complete mind change from God if we're going to be what he's called us to be, if we're going to be used by the master. So there are some people that they've been saved for years and they're in still desperate need of that mind change. They don't realize it, but they need it. They may not be addicted to any type of substance. They may not be living an immoral lifestyle. They may be living a, a very holy lifestyle, but they sure are addicted to self. They love themselves so much that they'll follow self over the Savior. See, if we're going to be used by God, then we have to die to self. We need to be like Paul in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so after we receive the call and we go through the conditioning, we need to be careful not to get caught up with comparing. Don't compare yourself with other people. See, even though Elisha was trained by Elijah, even though he received a double portion of Elijah's anointing, these prophets were still two different people. They were different. Elijah was a larger-than-life figure in the Bible. He's mentioned in the New Testament like 29 times. Elisha's mentioned like only once. Only once. Even though Elisha's ministry lasted twice as long as Elijah's did, and even though there are twice as many miracles accredited to him as there are to Elijah, Elijah's the one that's mentioned the most. He's the one that gets all the time in the, in the pages. They were both called, but they were also both unique and had different purposes. 
See, Elijah was more of a national figure and Elisha was more of a local figure. And it's okay to be whatever God has called you to be. They were both faithful men that were used by God and we can learn a lot from them. We can learn a lot from Elisha here having to follow in the, the footsteps of men like Elijah. Look who he had to go behind. Some of you... Um, now, I have, not, I have done a lot of things wrong since going into ministry. Uh, I probably did a lot of things wrong last week, if you ask Heather. But there's one thing that I have done a pretty good job of. And uh, some of you have, have probably uh, maybe even heard my grandfather uh, minister over the years. And some of you have heard uh, my uh, uncle, um, Paul Keeter, over the years. And uh, I've even got a cousin in Cleveland. And here's one thing about it. I don't preach anything like either one of them. Not, really, almost nothing like them at all. Even from um, my delivery to my style, everything about it's different. And uh, they were amazing. And uh, my Uncle Paul's probably going to come speak here sometime when he recovers from back surgery. And you'll see. They're unbelievable speakers. But see, I don't have to be like them. And I decided very early on in the ministry that if I tried to be like them, I was not going to do a very good job of being them because they're them and I'm me. And it would be better for me to be me than to be a version of them. And, and that's the way it is for all of us. If we're going to be used by God, then we're going to be following in the footsteps of some great and mighty men and women of God. And see, we need to be inspired by their accomplishments, not intimidated by them. And that sounds simple, but it, it's not. There's a lot of amazing things that my grandfather and that my uncle were able, that God was able to accomplish through them. But that was what he had for them to do. So we need to be inspired. Don't get caught up comparing yourself with other people trying to be someone else. Be who you are. Be who you are because you have an important part to play in the kingdom. You have an important role in bringing glory to the, to the master. Elijah and Elisha were different but they were both important. Elijah brought revival. Elisha reminded the people of God's love for them. They're both two very important things, and they usually go hand in hand. See, we need to find fulfillment in what God wants us to do. Don't be jealous of what He has for someone else to do. We need to guard ourselves against envy and jealousy and being competitive when it comes to things of the kingdom. See, how much more effective... Would we be for the kingdom if we would just accept the gifts that God has given us and not be desiring the gifts that he's given other people? I wonder if we could all see it. How many of us have gifts, if you want to do the whole Christmas tree analogy that I know a lot of people have done, but how many of us still have gifts under the tree that we haven't opened because we're trying to go after somebody else's gift? Have you seen kids do that before? They, get, they see the toy somebody else opens and then they start embarrassing you as their parent because they want that kid's toy when they've got plenty to play with? God has not left any of you in lack. Whatever gifts He's given you, they're more than you can imagine. They're, they're in abundance. We don't have to go after each other's gifts. Use the gifts that God has given you. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who you are and be faithful to God. Don't get caught up in achievements either. Now, it, now, it's perfectly normal, and it's a good thing to have a desire to be great. But sometimes, we, just like it's okay, uh, the Bible says, the, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It's okay to have plenty of money. It's when you start falling more in love with the money than you do the Lord that you have a problem. 
It's okay to want to be great because you should want to reach your fullest potential and do all that God has called you to do and be the greatest you that you can be. But sometimes people go from that to they just have this vision of wanting to be the greatest. Not the greatest one of them that they can be. I want to be the greatest Aaron I can be, but if I get off trying to just be the greatest, now I'm not trying to be the greatest me. I'm trying to be better than you. And when we get in that mindset, it's not going to do anything but cause problems. Don't get caught up in that because we're here to be true disciples of Christ. And, and the truest test for a disciple is faithfulness, not greatness. Some people think it's greatness. And there's a lot of people out there that have achieved greatness and they're not faithful at all. They lie, they steal, and they're in pulpits. They do all kind of horrible things. And don't let your wife anywhere near them either. You, you, you are a fool if you do that. But you all, you've, you've been around people like that. You know, oh man, but they can, they can speak. People just are, people are in awe when they start uh, working the altar services and things like that. But they're not faithful to anyone. They're not faithful to the people God has given them to shepherd and they're not faithful to Him. And see, when you're faithful, then even no matter what anybody else says or thinks in God's eyes, that is greatness. So we need to be faithful. The truth test for a disciple is faithfulness, not greatness. And if we want to be used by God, then we must be faithful to God. We need to be faithful to Him and not trying to do things just to impress other people. We all like to be impressive. Who doesn't? But that shouldn't be our focus. See, as children of God, we should do all that we do for Him and Him alone. Galatians 1 verse 10 says, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. We're supposed to be bondservants of Christ. He's supposed to be our focus. Are we wanting to be used by God or is that just something that we say? See, if we are, then we really need to ask ourselves and we need to be honest. Who are we seeking the favor of and who are we trying to please? Is it God or is it our fellow man? So I believe that God is looking for people that, that He can use and that want to be used by Him. And I believe that God is wanting to do the supernatural, the miraculous, the signs, wonders, uh, all those different things. And I believe that He's wanting to do it by using people just like you and just like me. But the question is, are we willing to answer the call? Are we willing to be obedient and make that decision? Are we willing to be faithful as we go through the uh, conditioning process? And then are we going to fight the urge to compare ourselves to others, trying to compete with one another instead of just being complete in Him? And so I believe that you all have it in you to be used by God. I believe we're going to have unbelievable testimonies of things beginning uh, to happen in different people's lives. I believe we're going to experience revival. I believe that it's the glory is going to show up and we're not going to have to do anything but just sit back and, and experience Him. And I want us all to be ready to say yes with all that we are to whatever He has for us. Um, I want to read that quote one more time from David Livingston. He says, My Jesus, my King, my life, my all, I again dedicate my whole self to Thee. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.